killed him. He hated you. Thank it suffocated. It knocked the garbage over and it got its head stuck in a jar. You weren't home, so I put it in there. I certainly didn't think you'd want to find it like that. I did not want to stink the place up. I was going to show you. You couldn't call or write a note. I was busy pushing bodies around, as you well know. And what would a note say, Dan? Cat dead, details later. I knew you were fond of it. You killed him. I know you did. He killed him. Besides, I do not like people in my room. All right, that's it. Hello, listening people. Hello. Ooh, I am one of your hosts, Ryan Slowinski. And I'm the other one, Bartek. Ah. And we're spitting Polish, likingly, because we are always spitting. And we both happen to be Polish. Marsh, Marsh Dobrovsky. <gasps> we're doing Spooky Month. Woo! You know, October time, we cover the spooky movies. We are doing our podcast in which we talk about movies, Pictures Power, the show in which we present, you know, a conversation in which we talk about a movie that's come highly recommended or just recommended, whether it's from you, Bartek, from me, or the listening people. And since. You know, it's October time, it's spooky time. We're covering more of those kind of Halloween-y, October-y kind of feeling movies. The dark movies. Ooh, Vampire Academy. Vampire no, we, Academy. We already did Vampire Academy a few years back. And Bartek, I think last episode you did your recommendations. So by, you know, deduction, I'm Sherlock, I'm deducing things. Mm-hmm. It's my recommendation this episode. And if the listening people cannot read the title, we are covering the 1985 movie Reanimator. Mm-hmm. Oh boy. And uh, there was once an animator, now that's reanimator. Yeah, he's he's back. He's back. He's back. They should have called it animator, then the sequel, reanimator, then the sequel to that re- bride of reanimator, and then then reanimator beyond. Mm. Uh, so if you uh, you listening people have not had the chance to watch or or check out reanimator, if you don't know anything about it. Do watch it, check it out, absorb it into your skin, into your body, because we are going to be discussing the movie in depth. We're going to be talking about all the little things and nuances and things that we liked and things we didn't like and all that kind of general discussion. So if you're walking in and being like, I've never seen Reanimated, these guys are going to do a spoiler-free review of a movie that's, like, from 1985. Tough shit, we're not. Um, that's the real spooky of this episode. Ooh, warning! Yeah, for a film, for a film all about people coming back to life, which tends to be a big plot twist in things, it'd be hard not to have a spoiler in this. Yeah, exactly. Like they're back to life. Ugh, Herbert West's a bad guy, but he's kind of a hero. So he's one of a bad guy, one of the bad guys, but not the bad guy because he is not a plagiarist. So yeah, but what have you done in your life? Watched Reanimator. That's true. So Bartek. Last episode, I said we were doing Reanimator. For I... some reason, I thought we were going to do the unappreciated masterpieces countdown. I'm like, why are you getting into this? <laughs> okay, three, two, one. Bartek, tell us your history with this movie. Ryan told me that we're doing it, and I, I think I've actually heard the title before, but I didn't know anything about it really. Nothing about the visuals. Nothing like, like, oh, I know that visual. Like the green serum and the needle is a very iconic visual of I've this s- movie. I've, I've seen the visual of science person wearing glasses, but otherwise, no, not really. <laughs> Like, when you told me about it, you're like, oh, it's a Lovecraft thing. I'm like, ooh, that's, I did in, not know in, that. In loose adaptation of it, yes, <laughs> in names and some plot I, points, I but believe, not really. I believe I read trivia saying that H.P. Lovecraft wrote it for, like, $5 or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, it yeah. was like a, a pulp, like, pulp magazine-y kind of thing. And he didn't really like writing Reanimator, so I don't think he'll be spitting in his grave. Yeah, who cares? So H.P. Lovecraft was a racist fucker. Who gives a fuck about his opinion? He is dead. Good riddance. But his name has love in the title. Oh, and he has, and he's a crafter. So you have heard of this in just the general osmosis of culture, pop culture. I've heard of the name. You yeah, didn't somehow. really know what you're getting into. No, I mean obviously the title implies that like oh something. Uh, non-naturalistic is happening, so mm. there would be like either a sci-fi or supernatural twist to it. Yeah, that's true. And Lovecraft being mentioned, so you have some understanding of what to expect. Like, oh, there will be some cosmic body horror weirdo shit. Yeah, maybe some racism. Uh, my history with this movie is I've of course watched this many times over the years. My parents had this and the second one on videotape. And they were often, like, the first one in particular, the videotape cover is very enticing. It's got, like, him with the syringe, and it's, like, spewing out all this weird 
fog, liquid, yellow, weirdo stuff. And then the Bride of Reanimator's got a very similar one, but it's got a woman on it. It's all crazy. And it's one of those movies that you're like, ooh, it's R-rated. Ooh. Like as a small child, and you'd look at it and imagine what it's gonna have, and this you see is not like for me. the back of it. You see all like these weird images, like severed heads and people screaming, and like the green, you know, the green serum and syringe, and you see it's rated R for like violence, nudity, sex, and you're like, oh boy, this is gonna be crazy. This is gonna be like, I'm not allowed to watch this. But then when I finally got to watch it, it was like, oh, it's a comedy. It's a comedy. Oh, that's what I got. It. That's what I get out of it. I don't know about you, but for me, this is a comedy movie. Yeah, um, a black comedy, of course. But like, it is a comedic movie. There's many lines I smile at and laugh and I cheer and like, yes, that's a great comedy there. Like the physical comedy in this is really great. Uh, but Bartek, tell us about your journey into watching Reanimator. How did you feel? What were your expectations going in? Like all this kind of stuff. I mean, expectations going in is pretty much based on the stuff I've already said. I didn't know what I was getting into, but I knew that it was Lovecraft. And even in the opening credits, it even just said H.P. Lovecraft. I'm like, yeah. oh, right, so there's going to be something crazy going on here. <laughs> I was, yeah, I was stuck a lot more to science fiction than I was expecting. Yep. Like, my basic understanding of Lovecraft is, oh, like, like evil demon gods or something yeah so. cosmic horror cosmic horror so that that wasn't that's not this film no that's far from beyond which is the follow-up that the director made with this and half the cast <laughs> so you would like that one um but overall i i, I enjoyed the film I, I didn't laugh that much at it but i thought it was really well told the pacing was really good and it was very comprehensible this is a tight script you know how when we did falling down one of the compliments i gave that movie was the script was really tight like the structure of the script mm -hmm. like there's no fat on the bones it just gives you everything you need there's no like, you don't want another cut of the movie, like what we said with uh, War Machine or stuff, or, you know, or Saved. Yeah. Uh, this movie, like, Falling Down, like, you know, f great movies. Even though this is a lower-budget, campy, B-grade horror movie comedy, the script is so tight. It's a very much a yes-and type of movie where it's like, oh, no, we've killed the Dean. Well, are you going to help me drag him onto this and we inject him with a serum? Why, of course! Like, you know, like, like it's always... There's yes, a cause and effect. Yes, yeah. ending everything, which is a classic theatre staple. I mean, the director of this came from a background of theatre. This is his first movie. Mm. And, uh, you know, the acting in this is over the top. It's, it's, it's very heightened, but to a point in which it never feels like it's a, a, a spoof or homage or, like, wacky, like, we're playing it like comedy... It's always the right amount of height. Like, Jeffrey Combs, who plays Herbert West, is chewing the scenery. You would agree? Mm -hmm. yeah. But he feels like he's very genuine. It never feels like he's winking to the audience. Like, yeah, I'm in a silly... Like, it's not like Black Dynamite or Hobo with a Shotgun or anything like that. Yeah, everyone in this film feels like they exist in that universe, and it's not weird that they're there. So, the summary of this plot, for those who haven't watched it or just need a quick summary of it, is... Uh... Well, you know, it's it's Reanimator. It is basically uh, uh, Dan Kane is the main character. Herbert West is kind of a secondary character. <laughs> oh, bless you, sir. Sorry, I'm I'm allergic to whatever word you said before I Dan Kane. <laughs> Dan Kane is a, you know, a doctor in training. He's studying. He's he's dating the dean's daughter, Barbara Crampton's character. And she's like, you know, a nice blonde-haired American lady who's very sweet and tender. But, oh, their relationship has issues because, you know, he wants to get married. But she wants to wait until he's graduated. And he's, like, you know, not under the guise of being, like, getting in good with the dean and all the, all the moral ethical stuff. But his big thing, Dan, is... You know, he's a doctor who doesn't like it when people die, you know? The very opening scene with him is him trying to resuscitate a person, and they're well beyond dead, you know, they're dead. But he keeps going at it, he's sweating, he's yeah. trying to resuscitate them, and his big lesson that he has to, that he, he, he should learn, but doesn't really, is that, you know, sometimes you, you have to, like know when to give up on trying to resuscitate someone like the doctor the nurse yeah i was about to say i like has that a line, line. It, uh, what was the line it again? was like it was... it's sweet that you're optimistic but you have to know when to give up a good doctor knows when to give up yeah 
And the, the the central thesis is heartwarming, not sweet. Yeah, yeah. He he doesn't learn that, but he does. It's very twisted mm. because this movie involves a mad scientist, Herbert West, entering this guy's life, and Herbert West has invented uh, a serum that brings dead tissue back to life. But of course, crazy things ensue. You have to figure out the science: zombies, crazy animals, violence, and and um and a and a fellow university professor who's very lusty. Um, <laughs> and uses hypnotism. Uh, so Bartek, did you like this movie? Yes, I did. I enjoyed it. I, again, I didn't really laugh that much, but again, it was really well put together and you know, tight as you said. It's like less than ninety minutes long. <laughs> yeah, just less, I think. And it it, it doesn't overstay its welcome. You go, yep, it ended really good. I think, you know, the ending's great. Mm. <laughs> like, everything about it, you're like, yes, this is... It's that period of these movies in the 80s in particular. We, we recently watched a few months back at a party, Robocop. Mm-hmm. Yep. And some movies from the 80s in particular just have a perfect ending where Robocop, spoiler alert, just ends with him saying what his name is, smiling and walking off screen, and then, eh, Robocop. Like, that's the end. And that's such a satisfying, like, yep, the character went through their journey, arc, bam. And this movie's very similar, where Dan came, injects his dead girlfriend's corpse, and, and yeah. it just ends, and in you a hear her end, scream. In a bookend to the scene we were just talking about, the nurse. And you hear her scream, and and that's it. You go, oh, great. And it's 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 perfect. It, you know, mm. and then they make a sequel, and that movie's fun. It's not that great, the sequel. The, they have two sequels. The, the yeah, Bride of Reanimator is pretty fun. When I read that there was a sequel, and that both Herbert and Dan are alive, I was like, oh, that, mm, that well, kind of... But Dan, sure, you can understand, but Herbert, yeah. you're like, uh, but Herbert's such a great character and a great performance, why would you want to waste it? Can I just say, there's one joke in Bride of Reanimator that kills me every time. Okay. In that movie, they're living in Peru, Dan and Herbert, and that movie's got more of the let's bring body parts back to life than whole bodies, mm-hmm. and uh, Herbert's made a spider with an eyeball, so it's like an eyeball is the body... And severed fingers are the little legs. Okay. And he's got it in a tray and it's like running around. And um, Dan comes in. He just looks at this eyeball crawling around. And he looks at Herbert West. And Herbert gives him that look like, look at this. And he just goes, I'm moving out. <laughs> like, like They've still got that housemate dynamic going on. This movie, Reanimator though, this is a, a cult classic for a reason. This is... You know, got the Lovecraft name, but it doesn't really adapt a Lovecraft story. It's just, it's a great reimagining of the Frankenstein story. Herbert West, the Jeffrey Combs performance is what carries this movie, as well as great visuals, um, campy, over-the-top tone, uh, bad special effects, (laughs) but at least they're practical. Just like last week, yeah. At least they're real. Um, So, Bartek... Let's get into some more of the discussion of Reanimator. What were some of the things that really took you by surprise with this movie? Let's see. What did take me by surprise? Um, I guess immediately my question was, uh, who's the main antagonist of the film? Because at first, Herbert's this kind of really mysterious guy, and I thought, like, oh, is he gonna... We open on him. We open on him, yes, but then when he comes to America, he's just very mysterious, and (laughs) I was wondering, like, oh, is he and Dan gonna be on, like, opposite ends of the the morality chain? Yeah. Um, or, Or in combat of some sort? Um, but for a little bit, they are. For a little bit, they are, and there is that like weird housemate uh, <laughs> dynamic going on. I wish the whole movie was that. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's actually true. They sh- if they remake it and like reimagine it, maybe they could do something like that. I would love just like your housemate is uh, secretly a reanimator. That would be a great movie. <laughs> Seth Rogen is the reanimator. <laughs> I reanimate corpses, and Jonah Hill is not having it. Oh boy. <laughs> that's that's what it would be. You know that, right? It would be, yes. Um, something else that took me by surprise, I guess. Mm. I guess, yeah. When when all the when all the bodies woke up in the climax scene. Oh, that that spooked you. I wasn't expecting it. 
Nice. Um, I always think that this movie is an interesting uh, uh, thing when re-watching it. There's always something that takes me by surprise. And this is a low-budget, campy, B-grade movie. But it is a A-grade movie in that genre. This is, this is the top tier of that kind of thing. It's a you, B plus. It's a B plus. <laughs> but it is definitely unique for several reasons, I feel. Like, the Herbert West... Dan Kane dynamic is really fun. Mm. You expect there to be more of a rivalry, but when you start thinking about it, you go, no, they both want the same thing, and Dan is very impressionable. Yeah. And Herbert West is very um, driven. Well, Dan is kind of going through the motions of things and trying to learn to accept how things are, but then someone like Herbert West comes along and he's like, hey, no, no, dude, you don't have to accept things the way they are. Look, I've got a solution to this. And he's swayed by that. And you have then the... I always like the the antagonist, Dr. Hill. Yeah, uh, I love that the movie in its final cut does not explain that he has mind control powers or at least uh, the power of suggestion. It doesn't have that scene where it's like, yes, I was born or I have a serum. It's just kind of like... Oh, this guy can do that. Originally in the script and in some of the movie that but it was cut out that there was an explanation for this, but there was some trivia f- point talking about it and I'm like, I really I mean it makes sense. I guess, yeah. I mean he does have many scenes throughout this movie in which he just speaks in a very sardonic, hypnotic way where he convinces people to do things. And it's not explained in the movie. And you know what? I'm glad it's not explained. It's just kind of like, yeah, you know what? This is what this guy can do. You know, I don't think you need a real explanation. I think that this movie does a really good job of being such a fun tone and quick pace that, you know, these niggling, nagging questions and the bad special effects don't really come across as negatives because the fun of the movie is so fun. And the movie's not taking itself, like, so seriously you don't really let those negative things be a drawback. At least I don't. Because Jeffrey Combs is delivering a great performance. But, you know, it's a fun performance. Like when he snaps the pencil and keeps snapping (laughs) it. But that's one of my favorite lines where it's like Dr. Hill is like, Mr. West, I suggest you get a pen. (laughs) Like buy a pen. It's like, (laughs) like, I wish with this movie, though, there would be a few more scenes in it of cat and mouse relationship between Herbert West and Dr. Hill, because that's my favorite stuff in the movie is them like having a, you know, back and forth with one another. That's Mm. like, but that's just me wanting. I definitely feel like in the middle uh, act of the film, they could use a bit more of him. Of Dr. Hill? Yeah. But at the same time, I guess they're trying to form the relationship between our main character and Herbert West in the middle act, which, and the dilemma of the Dean and... Uh, uh, um, uh, what was her name? I'm, I'm keep going to call her Barbara Crampton's character. Girlfriend. Meg. <laughs> um, and I thought, that's important. Hmm. But, you know, the sequel has Dr. Hill in it again. So. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's back as a head. Um, the someone, crushed head? Yeah, someone finds it. Okay. <laughs> injects it why not uh it's all silly nonsense but uh, um so what did you think of so you didn't laugh too much throughout the movie you were saying so did mm. you not find it that funny of a movie or, or did you find that there was humor there but it just didn't make you laugh out loud i guess a little bit of both yeah i just didn't really f- I-, I read that it was like a horror comedy and like there was that like you know, kind of comedic tone to it, but I didn't really, like, grasp on anything to be like, oh, that's funny, that could make someone laugh. I love that scene for comedy of when... <laughs> when Herbert West is explaining why his cat's dead and in his fridge. Mm. And, <laughs> like, this bullshit story of, like, oh, yeah, the cat got his head stuck in a jar. Like, this keeps escal- escalating and the girlfriend's, like... Sh- freaking out and i love that dan's giving him a fair shot at explaining murdering his cat yeah i did notice that and he's just like no 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 give him a chance he's probably got something here he's a genius after all and i just love the the final line it's like you know i was busy i had to go to the hospital it's like oh you could leave a note oh oh, oh, yeah sure what would i write on the note you know dead cat you know uh, sorry i'll explain later or something you know like no time to explain and it's just like the ludicrous nature, but then they're still housemates. <laughs> like, I love 
their dynamic. It's the stuff of gold. Usually, you know, the main character of a movie like Dan can be a bit boring, but I think the actor does a really good job of making him a, a complex, interesting character, more so than maybe what's on the script. And the chemistry between him and Jeffrey Combs is really, really good, so that you may forgive it as well for the fact that you could use one or two more scenes of them getting to know each other or them interacting with each other before they become like best buds. Mm. But their dynamic is re- <laughs> is really great. With Dan, for for such a tall guy, I really got a sense of youth from him. Yeah, yeah. It's like inexperienced kind of youth. Like and Jeff- promising, and but Jeffrey Combs is a short guy, so Jeff- he's shorter true. than Barbara Crampton. <laughs> um, he is, yeah. So what did you think of the romance in this movie? That is a part of the central thing of this movie. At late, we've had complaints with romance in our movies. Mm-hmm. With Saved and a few others that we've done on the show. Um, what did you feel about this? I appreciated seeing one where the romance is already, like, formed. Like, there's already a history to these people. They're planning to get married. There's still, obviously, the 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 conflict between the father of the woman and the guy. But I, I appreciated that, yeah, the story's already happened for them. Yeah. Things are coming along, and then it's there's another conflict to the relationship happening in the film. Yeah. I think that you could... See, this is the mark of a good horror movie in my brain. This has been said before about Reanimator and a few others, is you could remove the horror conceit and still have a movie here. So you could remove Herbert West and the reanimating stuff and have an interesting... Uh, dynamic movie about relationship between him and her and Dr. Hill being like this guy that's trying to encroach upon that and setting a wedge between their relationship via the father. Like, you know, you could see that movie existing if -hmm. you remove Dr. West. Like, it's a good mark of a story of a genre piece movie of if you remove the thing that makes it a genre piece, you can still have a movie. And I think that's really great about this. I actually really liked their romance. You know, I, you know, as a kid, I didn't really appreciate it because you're there to see Herbert West and playing with a cat and making funny lines like, oh, you don't expect it to tango with a broken spine. and all those Fuck funny, off with these tits. You know, <laughs> you know, and all these crazy things. But I really like the... Uh, I did like their romance. I thought the chemistry was really good. And I like the fact that on paper, she can be a really poorly, you know, underdeveloped damsel in distress kind of character, but I think Barbara Crampton does a really great performance of giving her more nuance and making her more of a character with agency, and she's not that kind of character in these movies when when she comes on screen to go, Dan, don't hang out with Herbert West, you don't go, ugh. I can't wait for her not to be here. You actually like her, or at least I do. I find that she being the voice of, you know, morality in the movie is actually great because sometimes in these exploitation B-grade horror movies or A-grade horror movies, when you have the person who's the voice of morality if they're not the main character, you, you kind of want them to go away because you want to go into the immoral worlds of craziness that you expect from a movie. Mm. But every time she comes on and, you know, she's yelling at Dan and she's getting infuriated and seeing what's happening to her dad and to Dan and all this crazy stuff, you I, I, I genuinely feel for her. And, you know, then it's upsetting with what happens to her later in the movie as, you know, not just because it's such a vile sexual object uh, you know uh, uh, sexual violence against her later in the movie and then eventual death but you, you you genuinely like this character one of my favorite scenes in the movie in fact is is them in bed when I was about to say, you know, in the beginning, right? Yeah, the, near the beginning, yeah. And uh, I, I like the transition as well from them in, like, the college or whatever, and he's, like, kissing her or tickling her, and she's like, Dan, no, no, no. <laughs> and then it's like, Dan, yes, yes, yes. And it's them having sex. And I'm like, you know, this is this is cheesy, but it works. It's, it, it's such a good transition. Like, little things like that. But, yeah, I like that. You genuinely like them, and you like mm. their romance. It feels like, like I said earlier, it feels like everyone in this film belongs in the world that they're in. Yeah, and I feel like they're real people. I feel like, I agree, I like a movie where, or even TV shows, where you have a couple that's already pre-established. Mm. 
So you don't have to see, like, this could have been a movie where, oh, he moves in with her, Herbert West moves in and he's just started dating this girl. And, oh, no, he has to run away from the date because, oh, Herbert West's released a severed hand in the room. And he's like, oh, no, I've got to hide the hand. If I could think of any way to make this better, I could only think of making them all really unlikable, swearing a lot, and being very abusive, things like that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> No, you make it like yeah, a modern American horror movie and you <laughs> need it to have jump scares and you don't need to care about characters, romantic relationships. A lot of my big complaints with modern Hollywood movies and shows is I don't believe in romance a lot of the time. Like the new Spider-Man movie. That's your conflict. I don't... It is a huge <laughs> no, conflict, I get, I get what you mean. though, yeah. right? Like, a lot of movies... Just the way you worded it was funny. It is. I find it's, it's Hollywood's really dropping the ball. And it's unique. Where it's funny that a 1985 campy first-time director, writer, crappy little weirdo movie about a guy who reanimates corpses can have a more believable and convincing romance than the new Spider-Man movie. That's had like 15 million iterations to show you how to do the Mary Jane, Peter Parker dynamic. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. And that they've had like 11 years of MCU world building so they can know how to do romance and relationships, but they just didn't. And it's like this movie could fall on its face if you don't believe in the romance. Because I think what makes this a very interesting movie is the conflict between them two. You know, the the, the Dan and, 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 and Meg, Barbara Crampton. And she brings a, a good moral dilemma of, you know, like, dude, he's crazy. But then Dan's like, yeah, but he can bring people back to life. And isn't that important? It's like, yeah, you know, that's a good a good feeling. How did you feel about, like, this central conflict in the, in the film? Yeah, that it's, it's definitely something to think about because... Because even though we have seen that the that the serum makes people almost zombie-like, like monsters, or animals at least, there is there is the thought in your head of like, but can it be improved? And even at the end of the film, when it was used on Doctor Hill, Doctor Hill was like talking and talking and thinking, and he still kind of had his character there. It was just a bit more like crazy. So it's like, well, he had his head chopped off. It would make me crazy. <laughs> yes, yes, but still. Um, it gives you this idea of, oh, well, it actually has, I guess, improved going forward. Yeah. And yeah, that's exactly one of the things, too. Of you, you as the audience go, yeah, but it could work. Just let Herbert West do his thing. But the problem is Herbert West is a murdering psychopath. Mm. But I love... <laughs> I, I guess the film never brought up, like... Any sort of, like, religious morality towards, like, oh, the dead should stay dead? No, I think it's because we're in a world where everyone is... Science mm. is core to everything. Like, every single character is involved in the field of medicine and science. So I think it would be weird if someone would come in and be like, Jesus! Well, even taking out religion, some people do think that, like, dead should just stay dead. So. Well, that is kind of one of the conceits of the movie from people like the Dean and, uh, you know, a few other people, peripheral characters. But yeah, our main central... And and and, uh, and Meg, you know, Barbara Crampton, she's kind of like, you know, look, <laughs> yeah, but still, you should, you know, not deal with that kind of crazy stuff. Mm. But it's never like the full-on conceit of the movie. One of the things I think I get out of this movie is um, the the uh, difference of ideological standpoints between Herbert West and Dr. Hill. I think the, the best way I've heard it been described is it's a creative person versus an, like an uncreative person. So Dr. West or Her Her Herbert West is a creative person. Mm. You know, he's trying to figure out this and he's trying to push the boundaries of that. While Dr. Hill is a plagiarist who steals other people's ideas and reinforces um, old-fashioned ideas that have been proven to be false because he hasn't stolen anyone else's ideas to inform himself yet. Yeah. And he's very much like six to 12 minutes, you know, and Herbert West is like, I'll break another pencil. <laughs> <laughs> but then Dr. Hill's progressive and says, you should get a pen. You should get a pen. And then he's progressive. He's like, I want to steal your ideas. <laughs> <laughs> Who told you to steal a pen? Yeah. Um, I love Dr. Hill. <laughs> he's fantastic. I don't know how you felt about him. He and was, though. But when I read the trivia about the actor, I felt very sorry for him. Oh, that his wife divorced him after seeing the rape scene in the movie? That and all the... 
the the anecdotes about him on set being like, oh, this is wrong. I shouldn't be doing this or something like that. <laughs> but he's so great. The, the, the performance is great, yes. And he shaved his head so that his hair can look because like he, the mannequins. Because, the, yeah, the film was too low budget to get um, it looking like Would him. it make you feel good to know that the director and writer of this movie went on to write Honey, I Shrunk the Kids? Good for them. <laughs> Stuart, uh, Stuart Gordon Green or just Stuart Gordon, I can't remember. But... uh. Yeah, so Honey, he actually was going to direct that movie, but apparently after one meeting with Disney executives, he decided not to because they infuriated him so much he got a nosebleed. Well. Because this Disney studio execs. <laughs> when you go through crazy things, if you were a guy who did Reanimator, <laughs> you walked into Disney and they're like, no, we need you to be friendly. And he's like, dude, I had a severed head go nearly go down on a lady in my first movie. <laughs> I wouldn't take shit from Mickey Mouse. So, I did that. how did you feel about Dr. Hill as a character and how he progressively became the main antagonist of the movie? Especially considering you kind of thought, oh, Herbert West is going to be the antagonist of the movie. which he... The possibility was there for me. Yeah, That's so, so how did you feel? Uh, like I said, I would have liked... Sort of drawing on what you were saying about a bit more cat and mouse, a bit more of his presence in the middle part of the film. Um, other than that, yeah, it was fine. He was introduced early on as being, you know, opposing figure towards Herbert West. I almost said something else. Um, and when he made the turn, I mean, be- even before he made the the body horror turn. He he tried blackmailing Herbert West, so this he, showed... He hypnotised him to give him his shit. <laughs> wasn't, it, wasn't it blackmail? He was just... He was doing the hypnotism thing. He was just kind of, like, looking at him with those eyes and being like, you shall be my assistant. And Herbert West is, like, catatonic. He's, like, literally got a tear strolling down his face, and then he, like, kind of shakes it off and hits him over the head with a shovel. See, I think I was looking at this film so at face value that I didn't notice there was any sort of, like, mystical... Really? How did you not notice when he's convincing the Dean that his daughter shouldn't be dating Dan? That seems, like, so mystical, and it's, like, the way it's edited, it keeps cutting to the fire, and everything's, like, getting foggy, like, the lens is getting foggier and foggier as you look at Dr. Hill, and, like, the music's cranking up. I just took it like, yeah, he's got this real power of suggestion over people. But yeah, blackmail. Blackmail could be an interpretation. I just see it like he's hypnotizing people. Like he just does this face where he just drops his face and speaks in a very like, I am hypnotizing you now, Bartek. I thought that was just a character thing. Like, oh, he's a bit of a creepy guy. I mean, he is a bit of a creepy guy, as we find out. All right. So look, face the the core things that we're both talking about. He's manipulative and he's creepy. So he was doing his manipulative thing before he died, and that showed that, like, okay, this guy is antagonist-worthy. Yeah. And he was creepy, so that adds to the characterization of an antagonist. I also like that when we first get introduced to him, he's in the morgue using that uh, laser drill, Mm. and he's doing the procedure on a corpse that he will later do on the corpses, and he tries to do do it on on Herbert Herbert West, and he does it on the Dean. I liked the Dean's performance when he became a corpse. It was very fun. <laughs> it's like a different guy. Like, you know, when he's full done up and he's doing... It's like, wow, what a great perform- yeah, physical com- performance. Like, he's completely transformed yeah. from what he was when he was the Dean. Compared to guy wearing suit being all business, yeah, it was... It's, it's a big change and it shows visually. Yeah, and it didn't feel too over the top though like he he felt like right you know like it was like he was good he didn't become the tasmanian tiger or anything like that um i love dr hill as he slowly becomes the antagonist i love the scene in which he gets his head chopped off with the shovel the one it shows it they're not pussies this movie say what you want about it but the one thing you can't say is that this movie didn't hold back because this movie like it did not hold back it just you just went full on out there like with everything, like, you know, a lot of horror movies now, they, they don't show the violence. They'll show a camera maybe in POV of the monster, run up to the person, and the person that's shaking about going, ah, but this this movie, you see, like, at first he's cutting off his head and the blood's splurting on him, and you're like, oh, yeah, all right, we're not going to see it. And then we cut, and there's, like, the shovel, like, half embedded into his neck in, like, goo and blood, and he's just like, Bleh! And then he chops off his head. You see it like fall off, like spin away. And it's like all this crazy. And you violence. say, thank you for showing the interesting part of the room. Yeah. 
That was a great shot. I yeah. love that shot. I also love that has one of my favorite comedy lines. <laughs> the badass like one-liner from Herbert West is like plagiarist and then <laughs> severs his head and it rolls off. Like he'll he doesn't mind that Doctor Hill's a creep. He just doesn't like plagiarism. That's where he draws the line. Like, I love later, it's like, you know, you Herbert, you've killed people. He was a plagiarist. <laughs> like, like, he does not like the fact that he steals other people's credit. Like, he does not like that. He's uh, got his own sense of justice. I even like the, the, the aftermath of that with Dr. Hill being a severed head. He's, like, making him talk. And he's just, like, the body's standing up in the background. And I just love, you. And it's, like, this really long, negated bastard. <laughs> he's just like seething with rage. He was trying to like write what he was saying. Yes, you, 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 you. It's <laughs> so oblivious to this. See, that's I mean. There's funny things like that, or like when the cat attacks them, and they just like throw this cat each time. Like they want to kill it, but then they just grab it and just throw it. I just love every time somebody gets thrown, like an animal or or a body gets thrown against a wall. There's like some meaty blood left that's on the true. wall. That's true. Yeah, and I'm yeah. Like, Thank you. That's consistent in the film that you mentioned it yeah it's like it's so it's so good i guess what i'm looking at here is yeah you're describing all these things and being like oh they're funny and i'm seeing yeah you can kind of interpret them both as you know suspenseful horror but mm. also funny and i think it comes down to performance and direction because yeah. like we said everyone's playing this straight and that can but, be funny and yeah. that can be funny but they're not playing it grim like, you have, you know, Herbert West, he's so giddy and, like, he, you know, he's mad scientist, but he's not, like, ca- mad, cackling cartoon man. Jeffrey Combs knows exactly the right amount of Goofy to add to this performance without it being just a purely comedic performance. So people like yourself can see it as more of a straight horror-like kind of thing and still get enjoyment out of it. Mm. Well, I can see the more comedic side of his performance. Like, I laugh every time when he is, like, um, interacting with Dr. Hill, you know, or, or it's like, um, you know, they're sitting there waiting for him to come and attack them later in the movie and Dan's, like, suggesting, like, oh, maybe he's going to attack my girlfriend and he leaves and Dr. Hill, uh, Herbert West just keeps sitting there and he just kind of looks over and he's just, like, this look of, Maybe he's right about that hypothesis. Like, like you see him figuring out in his brain. Maybe that's a correct hypothesis. I don't know. Or, you know, we'll get to the uh, the rape scene in a in a little bit because that's a, obviously a big moment of this movie that will draw people away from it. It's very it's very full on. But what makes that scene it drew someone so, away from someone? Yeah. It what made that scene so great is the fact that they knew when to stop. Mm. You know, he didn't get to get to the point but what makes it great is just <laughs> jeffrey combs just being like ah dr hill you randy like he's just standing there like judging him like i didn't know you would go with pre-ed girls or whatever and just like he walks casually, around like casually walking like i'm not afraid of the severed head he's I've got made. a plan he knows what he's doing yeah overdose and just like doubles him and he explodes <laughs> um so i think for me yeah this is a movie with a lot of fun aspects to it what did you think of the music the music that is just directly ripping off psycho <laughs> maybe it was ripping off psycho no it, yeah. it, it was ripping off psycho <laughs> like you play them back to back they're like the exact same score music's always something hard for me to remember in films but i do remember at the time when i was watching it it all felt appropriate yeah it yeah. all felt good what did you think about the practical effects of this movie, like the body horror and gore and stuff? We just watched Story of Ricky, too, where that had a very over-the-top body horror gore. Mm. How did you feel wandering in? I guess it wasn't as obvious in this one. It felt a bit more, I guess, realistic. Y- yeah? The special effects? Yeah, I think... Like when they had the puppet of the cat on Jeffrey Combs' back <laughs> in that one scene? <laughs> the cat, yes, that was that was a weird one. But most of the human stuff 
felt a bit more real than the Ricky ones. Yeah, what about when the Dr. Hill's carrying his own severed head and his body is like four times wider now and you're like, <laughs> I wonder how they did that trick. <laughs> yeah, there were, there were actually legitimately times where I was wondering like, oh, what's what's the actor playing Dr. Hill doing in this shot where it's on the tray? Yeah. <laughs> Makes <laughs> you think. I like that the little meat flap, like his neck flap for when he's like shot in the tray so that you only see the where the hole is cut out for where his head's sticking through. <laughs> I was like, is that, is that like a cloth to like soak the blood in so he can drink No, it it's his yeah. neck flap. <laughs> <laughs> it was hard to tell, but I think that was part of the appeal of the whole thing. Yeah, it was wonderful. Oh, that comedy moment where the head won't stay up in the tray. Oh, and he has to put on like a spike. <laughs> he has to put it on like a, a um, yeah, like a letter spike or whatever, like the things that you put papers on. Mm, oh, the, the receipt thing. Yeah, yeah. and he's... <laughs> He sticks it on that. I love also that Dr. Hill at no point tries to put his head back on his body. Like, he puts a fake mannequin head on the body. There was like, a tri- he never tries. There was a trivia point on IMDb. Did you read the trivia? Yes, I did. Okay, well, you know I'm going with this. There's a trivia point where in the audio commentary, apparently the actor that played the girl... Yeah, Barbara Crampton, yeah. ...brought up, like, hey, why didn't he put his head on his body and no one else had considered <laughs> that before then? <laughs> My favourite piece of trivia, if we're going to get into it, was Jeffrey Cobes demanded that he wears shoes in that scene where they're at the morgue. So he can show off how fast he can tie his laces. No, that, but also it was more that, oh, the character wouldn't go barefoot. And it's like, the director was like, no, 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 it's going to be pacing, whatever. It's like, I can tie my shoes real fast. And the piece of trivia was like, and Jeffrey Cobes was true to his word, for he can tie his shoes (laughs) Really fast. No, so like he's a master. He's lace a master tie or lace tire, and you're like, IMDb. What is this? What is this? What did you think of? Hold on, Jeffrey Combs. Did you write that piece of trivia in <laughs> the IMDb? I know it's you, Jeff. Well, who wrote the trivia point about the dildo enthusiast? <laughs> yeah, the woman at the very beginning with the dildo enthusiast. Did she hit dildos all over the set? With the fake corpses, specifically. That was wonderful. Um, no, I love this movie. I think it's, it's, it's campy, it's silly, but it is, you know, for a first time director, it's a masterclass of, of direction. I think, I think, you know, he throw they throw everything in, including the kitchen sink, but it doesn't feel bloated. It runs perfectly. The, the humor, the dynamics, every character has an arc and a type and they go and meet that and it's wonderful you know even when they end tragically or stuff like that it's it's everything you you need in a fun horror movie and i feel like we've lost some of the art of that and i didn't find this movie scary really but i don't think the movie was going for like ooga booga scares but more of that kind of like there was sus- unsettling moments unsettling and suspenseful i'd say suspenseful definitely like the cat scene yeah that's really suspenseful he just wakes up cat screeches and it's like what the fuck <laughs> yeah yeah um <laughs> Yeah, when when they bring it, when he's like, "Can we agree it's dead?" and he just grabs it and drops it, it sounds like a stone. Like that was a real dead cat's body in the fridge too. That's yeah, I read that trivia. Oh boy, oh boy. Um, so who was your favorite character in all of this? Um, I guess Herbert West really did carry the film for me, but I I appreciated pretty much every character. I feel like if there was any character I'd say felt a l- even the slightest bit artificial, it might be the guard to the morgue room. Oh, uh, he was. I thought he was going to be your favorite. I thought you liked him. Oh, I liked him for sure. But he did felt he felt like of all the characters, the one that had like lines written for him, like oh, funny lines, and also yeah. the running gag of oh, I gotta go to get masturbate. a coffee. But then the trivia is like, oh no, no, he was actually going to masturbate. I mean, you could tell that when he had a dirty magazine each time he went to do it. <laughs> I liked him. I liked him too. I like, yeah. yeah, I would. I would, Yeah, he's one that's probably lesser, but he's not a real character, really. Mm. Like he's there in a few scenes. I would say the dean is probably the lesser interesting one out of the main characters, but that's just by the virtue of you know how the how the story yeah, needs to be. He had to, to be. be like a stickler antagonist kind of guy. Um. Yeah, he gets swayed. Uh, I I think that this movie, you know. Yes, it's dated. Yes, it's it's corny. But at the same time, I feel like it's timeless. I feel like you can never remake this. Don't dare try. They will. I'll do it. They will try. Um, don't bother. There's no point. If you can't, I mean, Jeffrey Combs is Herbert West. I mean, what's the point of like? I love that bit where they'll make a prequel. 
Where, like with the thing. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh. Where he's back in Switzerland uh, and he's working with Hans Gruber, the villain from Die Hard. Mm. <laughs> I, you know, I think, you know, Jeffrey Combs delivers, but I think, you know, um, you know, the main character, Dan, Dan Kane, you know, Bruce Abbott, he does a really great job. He, he holds it together. For sure. Um, he's probably, you know, you know, Herbert West is my favorite character too. Then maybe Dr. Hill, because I just love a villain like that. Um, but I also love Dan Kane. I think he's a great character. He's just really believable. I have to give him really big credit for that. Yeah. Um, for most of the film, I thought he was Emilio Estevez. Oh, really? Interesting. Not by name, but I just like, I seen this guy in a poster somewhere. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, that guy in the poster was Emilio Estevez. So yeah. Fair enough. Um, so let's talk about the shocking element of the movie, which is we find out that Dr. Hill wants Barbara Crampton. He wants to fuck her. He, mm. he has hair, hair, hair and creepy photos yes. and the he's scene, a weird sex pest. The scene that Ryan's talking about is he's having dinner with the dean and he's like, you he, guy shouldn't be dating your daughter. He was totally cock blocking. Yeah, Barbara Crampton. You look tired. <laughs> you look really, really tired. Yep, and we can't appreciate cock blocking. Um, no, obviously that's all the setup, and we find out Doctor Hill's like a creepy sex pest weirdo who's a plagiarist, and that's a no-no. And he starts to, you know, he has his master plan of like, I'm gonna reanimate all these corpses, and I'm gonna win this, you know, all the success, and I'm gonna be this huge. Yeah, he's wonder. gonna have a breakthrough. Of but his that own, was finally. his initial when he was alive. But then when he's dead, he's going to reanimate everyone and lobotomize them to be his army because he wants power. But what he actually wants is to fuck Barbara Crampton real good, and he takes her, gets the father to take her, and the father just kind of watches. Yeah, well, he's lobotomized. Yeah, so. we should mention when the father is turned uh, into, or he's reanimated, mm. um, he's like kind of still like a berserk monster, but like his daughter's voice calms him down. And there's the implication that through therapy and through training, he could be reinitiated into being a person, but yeah. then. Which goes back to the whole point of like maybe Herbert Moon's onto. Uh, Herbert West's onto something. And then uh, Dr. Hill lobotomizes him to make sure <laughs> uh, you can't. Yeah, but then, yeah. He got lobotomized, and now he's working for Dr. West. And he brings Barbara Crampton, and this is like... Dr. Hill, I mean. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> he uh, brings Barbara Crampton, and they put her on one of the trays on tables in the morgue and, like, cuff her, like, you know, tie her down and whatnot. And this is the big kind of scene that's referenced in this movie. I mean, even American Beauty referenced it. The film American Beauty referenced a scene where, yep, a severed head goes down on a lady. Actually, he doesn't get to. He's about to. But yeah, Barbara Crampton's stripped down. She's fully naked. Um, what did you think about this scene, Bartek? Was it full on for you? My fiance watched this movie first time last night and she was squirming hard watching this. Mm, it definitely was intense. Um, I feel like one of the most... I don't know if poignant's the right word, but one of the most shocking shots of it for me was when he, he licked the breast and there was blood on the breast. Yeah. Because before he, you know, got up to her body, her body was very clean, mm -hmm. very unsoiled, but then just that bit of blood there was just this image of, ooh, this is wrong. This is really wrong. Yeah. So you so you did find this shocking overall? Like, were you squirmish watching this? Or? I, I feel like I was, I was Herbert Westing it. I feel like I was being analytical about it. But, okay. like, for my film analysis thing, I was saying that the shot with the blood was the most, like, yeah. I can understand why people get turned away from this movie when this scene comes up. It's very full-on. My thing with it is, I think it's brilliant, I think that um, if you're going to have an antagonist like Dr. Hill and you set up what he is like that, mm -hmm. you need to um, follow through. And I don't mean follow through in saying that if you have a character that's rapey, you need them to be a rapist. It's more that if, you know, you have a character with such sinister intents, you need to see that they're willing to follow through on them. Yeah. And if, if he's in that position where he's a got the power in the room and no one can stop him in the room at the time. Exactly. You think he's not going to take the chance? Um, what makes it great is uh, the performances from both of them, especially Barbara Crampton. She is f fucking phenomenal in this scene. You genuinely believe the terror. And you don't believe it in the sense of, oh no, the poor actress that day was strapped naked. 
you know, Barbara Crampton's appeared nude in a lot of things. She's a scream queen. She does her own screams, according to the IMDb trivia. Yeah. But it's more that you believe her as the character, and he's like, oh my god, Dr. Hill, oh my god, he's seven head, oh my god, I'm being attacked, <laughs> you know, and she tries to fight back, but can't do it fully. And... You know what's interesting, and this is getting more meta, Mm. Roger Ebert gave this film a positive review. Yeah. But isn't he the guy that, with Blue Velvet, was all weeded a bit out? Yeah, about sexual um, violence and gratuity against women. Yeah. Yeah, he was. Hmm. Odd. Odd, that. That is very odd. Um, Blue Velvet was after this, wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. Uh, this movie, you know, I can understand, especially now we live in more of a, a culture that's a bit more sensitive to these issues. You wouldn't see this in a scene in a movie today. I don't think... Maybe not, I mean, yeah. I object to that even in myself. I, I think you would, you could, but, you know, you're not going to get as big a hit as this or, you know, cult status as this, or if you do, it's... F yeah, but I feel like, um, you know, I think it is there for a purpose. I don't think it is as gratuitous, because as we mentioned before, the movie knows when to stop. You know, it doesn't have the head actually go down on her. It doesn't have it licking her pussy. It stops there before it becomes a, a full, full-on, beyond-redeemable violation from the movie's perspective. Because you're enjoying this campy movie, and then, like, you know, yes, it's horrific, and yes, for some people, it's already crossed that line, mm. but it doesn't go as far as it could. And, you know... um, yeah, and I think the performances from both of them really carry you through it, especially Barbara Crampton. She 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 genuinely is is fantastic in this movie, and um, you know she's wonderful. I I you know she, as the the chick in this horror movie, she isn't boring to watch. She's very fun, and she's she does a really great job acting in this, as does every single person. I don't think there's a dud actor in this movie. Me neither. So how did you feel about the end? Again, yeah, that was a very poignant end because it was doing the whole book ending thing of, oh, it started with him in that room trying to resuscitate someone and it ended. And it could have been a moment of like, oh, he's learned. But as you said earlier, not only has he not learned the lesson, but the stakes are even higher. Yeah. Because now the person that he's trying to resuscitate is someone so close to him. And someone who wouldn't want it, mm. most likely. Yeah, that's true, because she was the one that was kind of opposed to the whole... Thing, yeah. Thing, yeah. Oh, yeah, we haven't mentioned it yet. Uh, she dies. Yeah, she gets choked to death by a random zombie. By one of the burn victims. Yeah. They do that well. They're setting up all the bodies that are going to be in the final set piece. I liked when that's they true. reanimated the on. first body, the Arnold Schwarzenegger's stunt double guy. Yeah. He, like, just pushes that door down with no Eden, like, starts jumping on it with the Dean underneath. He's naked, they like saw through him. Wonderful stuff. But yeah, Barbara Cranton unfortunately does die at the end of this. She gets choked to death in the elevator. You know, Dan was too slow to save her. But, you know, he's going to try to save her. He's going to try and resuscitate. He's going to try and work in the methods of, you know, medicine. But at the end, he's going to do it the way that he's learned throughout the movie, which is Dr. You know, Herbert West's way of doing it. And. I think it is a perfect ending, you know, cut to black, you have her scream to wake up, and it's a horrific blood-curdling scream, so you know it's not gone well. Yeah. Or at least if it is, it's going to be not a healthy relationship if it does continue further. Yeah. The visual is like he's putting the needle up to the back of her head, which is how it's done in the film, then the film freeze frames and fades to black. Except for the... Except for the green, green. of the vial, which was and rave... It... What's it called? Uh... Uh, glow, glow sticks glow stick yeah. fluid that was really good I love the serum I wish I could have some that gl like glows that much mm, well, it looks yeah. amazing <laughs> I liked also when Dr. West was like uh, Herbert West was like uh, uh, you know I put my serum in plastic bottles not glass bottles because I don't want them to break and I'm like good save movie because I was wondering about that was like he's running around with serums in his pockets like how would that not break if you got thrown across the room like he does mm. and the movie's like ah we got you Herbert West smart guy he injects himself with a serum so that he doesn't go to sleep and keeps his brain active and awake I thought that was a weird little twist in the movie like just as soon as you think you're getting to know Dr. West he starts to flip out and then you find out he's actually addicted to his own formula which is neat mm. I like the he dies, but not really. Like, we don't see an on-screen death, more that he's just wrapped in uh, Dr. Hill's intestines, and they're dragging him into the smoke, into the fog 
I think it's a really great way of, you know, when they do make a sequel, which they did, you can open it up that he lived, but, you know, it's, you know, you, if they didn't have a sequel... If this was a standalone film, yeah, then it would be up in the air of what actually happened to him. And that's fine, because you know, it's not his story. A lot, a lot of people think that, because Bride of Reanimator and Reanimator Beyond focus on Westmore, but this is yeah, Dan's when I, story. When I looked up on Wikipedia that uh, the film... And it showed me that Herbert West, the character, has his own Wikipedia page. That said to me, like, oh, okay, so maybe he is in the later films, and yes, he was. <laughs> so, um, is there anything else you want to bring up about Reanimator? Any feelings, thoughts, scenes you want to mention, moments, things that didn't work? I was gonna, I was gonna mention the the intestines thing, but yeah, we brought that up already. Um, I don't know. It was just a really tight film overall. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have any negatives about like, this I, movie. Yeah, like, the closest thing I could have thought was, like, oh, the security guard felt a bit like, oh, lines were written for him, but I didn't even hate his character, so, No, yeah. there was a Talking Heads poster. Yeah, you probably really liked that, yeah. Yeah, well, you know, we're, we're back to true stories again. <laughs> There's no narrator, narrator character, that was nice. Uh, that is true, even Story of Ricky had one just at the beginning <laughs> to read on-screen text. Ricky! So... Yeah, I can't think of much else. This is a flawless B-grade movie, you know? Like, yeah, it's B-grade, and that means it's lower budget and a bit more campy and jaunty, but it's flawless, in my opinion. You know, the things that are shocking about it, the things that you can say are negatives are also strengths of this movie. You know, the crappy, weird, special, practical effects are what you kind of come here for as well as the fun, cheesy performances and the -the over-the-top violence and sexual stuff and all this crazy nonsense. When we do the mystery box, we've covered a lot of movies that are kind of B-grade, C-grade, D-grade, yeah, cheesy sure. with violence and rape and nudity and all of that, and we've complained about those things. Because there's movies like this in the same field that show you how to do it properly. Yeah, that Alien Intruder. And they're still B-grade movies. And that's what I mean. This is a, this is a masterclass of, of, of doing B-grade horror. Um, so that's it. Well, I have one more question. Oh, yeah? You used to live in a share house, and you had Mm -hmm. to give tours to people. What would you... How would you conduct it if Herbert West came in and gave the same kind of thing that he gave to to Dan in this film? uh, I would accept. He's like, does this have a basement? He seems like a nice guy. (laughs) He's a genius, Bartek. You'd finally have an interesting housemate. Finally. (laughs) One who wasn't crazy Christian, at least. Um, No, he wants to bring people back. Yeah. He's against death. He's against God. Mm. Um, so yeah, that's Reanimator, a fun, classy, classic movie. Um, so our next episode, like we've alluded to in previous episodes, won't be for a while. It will be listening people's choice. I'll say what it is now. Mm-hmm. Um, when it will come out or when we'll cover it is unknown for the time being. Hopefully, we'll be back start of November, mid November at least. But we'll keep things posted on our social medias. We'll get into why we're disappearing. But for the moment, we're going to be doing The Shining. Ah, The Shining, yes. Um, you did tell me we were doing it at Sean point. from uh, uh, a fellow... He's from a few podcasts, but I know him from the Columbo Confab podcast. Recommended this. He was very much like, oh, I, you know, I want to see if people under the age of 30 actually appreciate this movie. Or do they just see it as, like, the thing that pop culture has absorbed into itself? So, yeah, have the... you seen The Shining? No, I haven't, but I've always been meaning to. So, we will be watching, I I can't remember which cut of The Shining it is, but whichever one is, like, nearly two hours and 20 minutes long. So, not the 90-minute theatrical cut, but um, the cut that's on Australian Netflix, the longer cut. I can't remember if that's the director's cut or, or the definitive cut, but whichever one's the more renowned copy that's, like, nearly two and a half hours long... Mm. I think it's around that time, or just over two hours long, we'll be covering that version of The Shining, because you know how it is, Bartek. There's so many different cuts of things, but it's on the Australian Netflix, so... Yeah, didn't you tell me that this one, the, that cut's, like, much better than the other cut? Oh, yeah, the 90-minute cut cuts out too much. Yeah. Um, there are some movies that do deserve to be long. So we'll be doing that sometime down the future. Mm. We're going to have to be going away for a while. Things have been coming up in our lives. I've got a wedding happening. I'm getting married uh, um, in the interim of this. Mm-hmm. So I'll be off getting married, enjoying honeymoons and marriage life and kind of transitioning into that. While Bartek 
Yes. You, you've got the thing that... See, we initially planned to do some batch recordings because I knew my marriage was happening around this time of year. Mm. But then out of nowhere, Bartek has come in and like, no, no, Ryan, we're not going to just take a week or two off or just do batch recordings. We're going to take a fuck of time, a fuck <laughs> amount of time off. Yes, yes. I, I won't get into too much details, but I'm having a microdisectomy in my L5. Uh, what? <laughs> I'm having spine surgery because I've been in pain and I want it to end. He wants it to end. So Just, Bart I feel gonna, like I feel like ending. He's it. getting some spinal surgery, so you'll be going through a recovery process. So that will knock us out of commission for quite some time. So these last few episodes have been us doing some batch recordings before you have that happen. So that way, we don't leave you listening people with absolutely nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, so that's kind of been what's going on um, with stuff. So, yeah, we'll be out of commission for a while, but, you know, we'll keep things updated on our social medias of Facebook and Twitter, which is, of course, you can find us, Spit, Spit and Posh Presents. You know, just type that in into Facebook or Twitter. You'll find us. If you are wanting to send us any emails of feedback, thoughts, you know, congratulations or commiserations or kind of like get wells and whatnot, what's our email about it? It's spitandpolished at gmail.com. So that's spitandpolished at gmail.com. as you heard, we're doing a listening people's choice. So obviously, if you have film recommendations, send them through. Um, we do have an email, Bartek. So yes, spitandpolished at gmail.com. So since we've been batch recording, this uh, email hasn't been responded to until this episode, which is a few weeks after we got it. So this is in regards to our falling down um, conversation mm-hmm. in which we had uh, uh, guests on from America, the Chats, a television podcast. Yes. The email that we have be- have gotten from that episode is from Nick, who is a regular listener and supporter of their show. Yes. Um, I've heard him email through and I've had conversations with him before on, on Twitter and uh, emails and, and, and general chats. Get it? I said chance. Yes, yes. Um, so what we have gotten here is I've got an email from Nick that's in regards to uh, f- falling down. He's also recommended that we should do a movie at some point, Rocket Man. Okay. Um, so not so, the new one. Okay, I was The one from ask. the 90s with uh, one of the guys from uh, Sorority Boys. Is the new one a remake of that? No. <laughs> no, oh, so no. Unrelated to Rocket Man's about uh, Harland Williams going to space. Okay. So, Nick says uh, in his email, this is in regards to falling down, As much as this movie isn't showing a unique event, and in fact is something that happens still today, I am left to think that if you were crazy enough to try and remake it, it would be so unsettling that you wouldn't be able to stomach it. He would wear a uh, uh, Make America Great Again cap, and those who empathise with him would be upset that he is somehow, in quotations, the bad guy. Everyone else wouldn't want to see it, as they see enough of it in their lives and their elected officials. Let's just be happy it exists and was made in the 90s. Nick. So, Bartek, how do you feel about that? Anything you want to say back to that? Yeah, it felt like it was a, I guess, compromise between the chats and the spit uh, yeah. ideologies. Yeah, I think so too. You know, that episode, I'm very happy with how that turned out and all the differences of discussion and very difference of opinions that we've heard from our listening people and from people in general. I was still surprised even now that the falling down garners so much conversation and controversy and topics. Like for me personally, I don't agree with Nick, of course. I think that you could still make this movie today. I mean, mm-hmm. the Joker movie is going to be coming out this year and everyone's excited for that. And that movie's about a white guy who goes crazy and attacks people. Um, we've had these movies every decade, these entitled white guy movies go on a spur. The thing about the, that I always got unique about it was they mentioned Trump. Nick does. They did the chats. The thing about it was, you know, defense as a character in Falling Down was let down by the government itself. So he yeah. was never, like, waving his flag about, like, the president who was in charge or whatever. Like, let's not forget, this is a guy who just would have come off... They would have just come off Reagan going into George Bush Sr. Both very um, damaging presidents in the American history, I would say. Very fanatical, very, uh, you know, full on. In Falling Down, they even have a reference to the fact that people are dying of AIDS because the government didn't do anything about it. Mm. As As bad as Trump is in this modern age, one really has to ask, 
is Trump as a president and his ideology ideology and standpoint really that terrible when you have presidents like Ronald Reagan with Reaganomics and how he let AIDS happen without doing anything? Yes, Trump's bad and yes, Reagan's bad, but is it an evil in American society that is so beyond anything that they've seen before? I don't think so. I guess maybe it's just an exaggeration of, oh, dumb guy, so he's even worse. Yeah, Ronald Reagan was also a dumb guy who did even worse. He was a ho- he was an actor who liked jelly beans. But these are the things. Like, there's always this thing of, oh, we wouldn't make that movie today, but we do. They yeah. did then. They're doing it now. And then when time passes, we look back up there, back on them, and we go, oh, you wouldn't make that movie now because maybe something like Falling Down, as we mentioned is still tri- striking a very hard chord that's still present in society, and we, thinking that we're enlightened, would like to think a movie from 1993 wouldn't still be as present as it is in modern society. I don't think anything's impossible to, you know, do again. No, but I think there's a lot of things when it comes to these kind of movies and American society, and, ooh, we can't do that now because of this. What I find more damaging in American society when it comes to uh, film culture is, um, for say we're talking about Trump, same with Reagan, same with a lot of these politicians, adapting their ideological standpoint into just pure cartoonish villainy and without any nuances, without anything, and it's just like, see, the bad guy is always bad. What made defense an interesting character was this deep-seated issues that American culture has within it and showing it in an everyday kind of guy, like defense was a disturbed guy. But what I find more damaging is doing a Robin Hood movie and making the Sheriff of Nottingham a clear... Donald Trump allegory and not doing any nuances with it like they did with that Robin Hood with Jamie Foxx and Ben Mendelsohn. I didn't know they did that. Yeah, they did that. So, and, you know, that I find more damaging than something like Falling Down, which does a deep dive character study and goes into all these toxic nuances and acknowledges that they're toxic. And if people who watch it and walk out of it still think he's a hero, that's their fault. And they've already made up their mind, but the film... If the film is good and it makes up and it dem- clearly demonstrates, like Falling Down did, that this is a bad type of behavior and bad type of person, you can still make these movies today. And we clearly are. So, you know, that's what I have to say yeah. about Falling I mean, Down. Look, in, look, defense killed a Nazi. That's, he, he that's did, not good. He did not like Nazis. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that's kind of it. Um, we'll be off the, the air for a while, but like I said, we're, we're on the social medias. We'll be hovering around there just saying stuff and whatnot. Unfortunately, we didn't get the complete spooky month, but, you know, our next episode we'll, we'll be covering when we come back is, you know, The Shining, so make sure to check that out. That is, of course, a spooky classic. That is a classic of cinema. Mm-hmm. So I guess until next time, listening people, remember that Bartek's back may be a little better next time you hear him. Yes, and in the comments on Facebook for this post, uh, type whether you think wedding or surgery is better because Ryan and I we need to compete in some way yeah exactly team surgery go team wedding ahoy <laughs> we'll make a poll yeah we'll make a poll and the <laughs> poll is your spinal cord <laughs> <laughs> not that kind of poll yeah we're Polish but <laughs> 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 <laughs>